It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another edition of the No Ratings podcast. Of course, you've guessed it. It's me again. Nabade uh, pulled a hammy in training, so he's out for a little while pending what the physio has to say about it. And in the background, clearly, we have some fireworks going off. Uh, clearly, my neighbor has got, uh, bought a bulk deal at Diwali and is now making good use of them. So we do apologize if there are any pyrotechnic noises, but there'll be plenty of fireworks in this episode, no doubt, because we have Amenya and Hamza as our guests. Some would call this a dream team. Welcome to the podcast, boys. How are we feeling? Yeah, man, I'm happy to be here. Top of the league. I can't complain. All is good. How are you look? Hamza, talk to us. Um, I'm doing very well. I didn't get the best result this weekend, but I can't be more happier than, you know, I, it could have been worse. It could have been worse, but I'm happy as usual as a City fan. Well, listen, we've got plenty of action to come from this No Ratings podcast episode, but of course, before we get into that, we'd love for you guys to follow us all on the socials, wherever you follow us, whether it's on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, whether it's on Instagram, of course, on YouTube as well, and particularly on Spotify, where you can submit answers for, like, you you can give us, uh, sorry, not answers, you can give us questions um, of things that you want us to discuss. We love discussing football. We'd love to know what type of things you'd love discussed on the No Ratings podcast, and then we can get our amazing contributors and guests to talk about all the hot topics in the world of football. Right. Now, moving on swiftly to our icebreaker. Boys, are we ready? I've got an icebreaker here for you in light of Alejandro Garnacho's goal. Of course, we all know he scored possibly one of football's greatest goals ever at Goodison Park with an unreal bicycle kick. So I wanted to put to you guys, if you could score any goal in the history of football, what would it be and why? History of football? Are we, like, are we taking like context out of it? Just like the goal itself? No, so I think context counts as well. So for example, uh, would would like Hamza, would you want to be Adebayor? scoring at the Etihad against Arsenal, running the length of the pitch. Context matters. It doesn't even have to be the quality of the goal. It can be the significance of the goal. But what goal in the history of football 
It doesn't even have to be in your lifetime. But what goal in the history of football would you like to score and why? I'm looking forward to this one. Okay, uh, do you know what? Like, when I'm thinking about my one, yeah, I'm thinking purely the aesthetic of the goal itself, innit? And there's one goal Ibrahimovic scored against Anderlecht, yeah, Champions League. Oh, my God. The ball like, bounces out to him about <laughs> 35, 40 yards out. And he just lashes the top corner. I'm thinking, brother, like, how dare you shoot from there? But I hear it because you're Ibrahimovic. So there's that. Occasion-wise, a similar goal. Jagielka in the in the Merseyside derby. Jagielka hit a volley, yeah. No, I know his name's funny, innit? But he's hit a volley on the run. I know who made it. He's back home with his hammy watching this, but he knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. He licks it, yeah. It flies in. I'm thinking, oh, how's he done that then? So that probably would be the other So he hit, he hit it with the outside of his foot and it cut yeah, away yeah, into yeah. the top corner, didn't it? I remember Mysterious that. Serious goal. Serious I remember goal. that. That was a... That is not... The one that I was expecting from you, but I, I rate I, I rate the quirkiness. Hamza, what have you got for me? I listen as a City fan. I, I, I think I could read your mind, but I'll, I'll let you I'll let you take this one. What goal in the history of football would you like to score? That listen one. I'll go back to the history. I think first the occasion of Aguero goal, like it's Aguero. That moment back where it all hands to this. The few seconds, the nervousness, your first Premier League titles going away to your rivals. They're clapping their hands, TV's catching Ferguson, celebrating. And, and literally, to break the greatest manager's heart like that, in front of everyone, in front of everyone's eyes, that is iconic. It's an iconic, the most iconic moment in Premier League history, like, that yeah. is that moment. Yeah. No, you cannot buy that. That's just one of the greatest goal yeah, at the greatest moment. Another one, one of the greatest players ever lived. I think he's the greatest with Messi. Diego Maradona in 86. Regarded oh. that, that in the occasion of the war. Yeah. I'm taking that one. The big <laughs> game against England, Argentina, the rivalry. And to pick up the ball and just dance and go through every player and then go around the keeper like from halfway that is a that is an iconic goal you know when you play football everyone wants to dribble that's the key of our football about dribbling and if you pass one everyone's like wow second one wow third fourth and to go around the keeper in a world cup fight one of the world cup fight, that is that is it that i'm changing my mind i'm changing my mind now I'm hearing these iconic goals. Here. Oh yeah, oh, wait, wait, wait. Amelia's like, Amelia's like, oh yeah, no, I, I chose Jagielka. No, Jagielka was nice, but I got a new one. Yeah. Let, me, let me paint the picture for you, lot. Yeah, Lukamp on your debut. Oh, Ronald, yeah. Ronaldinho. Ah. One, two, yeah. crossbarring in. Yeah, that I've changed my mind. Forget Jagielka. Listen, hold tight, your thing in it. Like I rate you in that, but Ronaldinho's debut goal. That's my new answer. The drama around it. First of all, Hamza, incredible selections, uh, both incredibly iconic moments, and um, and Amenia. That yeah, everyone remembers that. The delayed kickoffs, like it was like midnight or was it eleven p.m. at the new camp. The fans had been waiting, and then the expectation. I forgot to say one thing. Just one thing quickly. I'm surprised. I think the greatest goal in the Premier League that he should have chosen, Amenia. Is a goal that you mm. probably never ever see again. You'll see it, the natural goal again, but I know I'm, I, I don't think you'll ever recreate Dennis Bergkamp goal against Newcastle. I think you no, can't. I, do that. I hear it. I've tried, but, it. but I, I don't want to be the I one that scored. I also want to watch it. 
I want to watch Burkham do it. I don't want to involve myself in the Arsenal goal. You let them do their thing. I'm watching Burkham <laughs> go. I want to I wanna lick a shot like Ronaldinho 40 yards out and hit the bar. Like, I'll type Burkham. Incredible goal. I hear you. There's Henri's flick on volley. But as you can tell by the goals that I've picked, I like when someone just says, nah, do you know what? Forget this, man. Let me just smash it. So, yeah, that's why I picked that. Amenia, I'll be keen to see whether you have your Arsenal hat on for this one. But I've got a, I've got a question. Okay. Arsenal are top of the league, 13 games in. We'd be lying if we said there wasn't a stark contrast between the top of the league vibes that Arsenal were showing last season versus what they're showing this season. So I want to ask, are Arsenal getting lucky? Are Arsenal riding the wave, riding their luck, being a little bit opportunistic based on results happening around them? And is that how they found themselves on the top of the league? Uh, I, I know already what Hamza was saying in advance, but let me tell you what is luck. Luck is the only three goals that we've conceded away from home this season. I can look back at what we've let in three goals away, yeah? Chelsea, a rubbish. I'm going to move that Lampard right now, yeah? But the meaty penalty, Mudrick crossing it from bare far away, and the other goal we conceded was that Gabriel Newcastle foul. So as far as I'm concerned, we've let in zero goals away from home. We are taking a different approach. Last year, everybody was crying, oh, you're too emotional, you're too much chaos, too much chaos. Now they're playing more reserved. They're reducing the number of transitions that are going back and forth, back and forth basketball. They're crying again, saying, oh, Arsenal, they're worse now. I'm bored, I'm bored. Oh, well, keep being bored. We've got the least goals considered this season. The goals, yes, not going to lie, like sometimes a lot of last-minute goals, but that comes with sustained pressure it's not as though we're on ropes we're getting packed in like if you remember Leeds away last season where we were suffering and we just happened to scrape it this one was different this one was we're getting these last minute goals because of consistent pressure 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 last 10 minutes ramp it up and goals so as far as I'm concerned no it's not luck have we been as good as last year no but there was less pressure so I'm not complaining so I mean Hamza before I bring you in Amenia would you say that fine while Arsenal have been more pleasing on the eye last season. Arguably, we like well, arguably Arsenal are better this season because they're learning to take a more pragmatic approach. They're learning to control games a lot more and ride the pressure rather than leaving it to like a straight up you score, we score. It, isn't that no? No, I wouldn't. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm gonna be fair. Like, I'm not gonna say we're better than last year. We're definitely not. But it's just different. That's all that is. It's different. It's a case of hopefully not having to burn out like we did last season where it's hustle and bustle the first 15, 20, 25 games and then suddenly you've expended all your energy, you fell off now. It's a different approach. Is it sustainable? I don't know. I hope it is. We definitely didn't have a midfielder, but as far as things are going right now, we're top of the league and we haven't hit top gear. So that could work, but it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing where we just never end up cooking I have to keep on hoping that Man City drop uh, drop points. And I said it before, like I think that Liverpool are more of a danger threat. That I said it from beginning is the fact that they they they've done it before, so they've got the experience that they've won the league before. They've got an incredible manager who's done it before. The experience is there. The players are there. They've lost the league previously, and now. In Europe, they've got also the advantage of playing Europa League. If I'm Liverpool, Liverpool don't need to play their starting lineup until semi-final. Liverpool in Europe have got heritage. They can go and beat anyone in Europe. I've seen the worst Liverpool side 
in in, in 2002 or three or something. They they went all the way to the final, and won Europa League easy. Like they they're not scared in Europe. They they've got this like no kind of fear. We've done it before, so I can't see Liverpool are a major major threat, and we have to take them seriously, very serious. Very. In fact, I watch their score more than I watch Arsenal score because I know Arsenal have got they're in the Champions League. They will qualify. They will, I want them to go further and sacrifice more. I don't want them to come out of the cup competition. I want them to sacrifice because the way I'm seeing it, Arsenal used to be like this 400-meter runner and they'll start very quick. But now I'm seeing a 400-meter runner who's doing a long-distance running. But you ain't going to finish 400-meter on time because if you're starting slow and the way their players, they've recruited players, I don't think they're the right players to win them the league. But you don't think De- you don't think Declan Rice is a good signing for Arsenal. He's a good, he's a great sign. He's the, probably their best signing. But if you look at Kai Havertz, I'm not scared of it. They've lost. Martinelli scored one goal in 13 games. Uh, Odegaard's gone off form, lost confidence. Uh, you can see the players there. Zinchenko, not the right guy. You can see Arsenal just scraping win, and I think. When going gets tough, yeah, they will feel the pressure. They they feel the pressure and their fan base know before they were saying, we're going to win the league. Now their fan base are very scared. Most of them are scared to say they're going to win the league. Because you know what? Because what had happened last year and the Ateta's recruitment, they're questioning the Vieira, the Havertz. They're recruiting a lot. Jorginho, they're not happy with Jorginho. They're not happy parties getting injured. They're complaining a lot. And because they, they're scared, they know this is not the same team as last season. You know, last season they were chilling before games. They knew they're gonna win games. Now they're nervous. They take it to the 90th minute, and they're nervous. They look at the game, thinking, "Oh my God, we might draw this game." Brentford one nil, and they were celebrating as if they won the Champions League. Like I was thinking, "Oh my God, you 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 should be just clapping and say, yo, let's go. We still got more games to go." But the way they were celebrating, I was thinking, "Okay." Okay, they know. The thing is, listen, he's contradicting himself in what he's just said there. He's talking about like, oh, you know, Arsenal, it was very bad last year. We fell off. We did fall off. Like, it's okay to say that we fell off. We, we fumbled when we could have won it. He's going back to say Liverpool have European heritage because of what they won in like 2002 and three and whatever, right? But we cannot use that for Arsenal then. Nobody speaks about Arsenal winning Premier Leagues in the early 2000s. What's that got to do with today? I don't care that they won the Europa League 20 years ago, bro. That doesn't impact anything of today, if you want to use 20 years ago tournaments, we use 20 years ago, we'll say Invincible. That's that's no problem. And I, personally, especially during international break, when I'm watching guys argue about like, oh, Martinelli's the worst, this, Saka's the worst, this, everyone is bad, I, I don't really care. What people's opinions are of my players, I don't really care enough to debate it that much. So yeah, cool. Don't be afraid. It's fine. No problem. Me, personally, am I afraid myself? No. I think we can. I think the two players that he mentioned, Havertz and Martinelli, well, who combined to get the goal that dunked on their team at the, at the Emirates? Martinelli and Havertz. But alas, it's okay. Hamza, Hamza, I want to bring you in on this. Does the does the City have faced Arsenal twice this season? Once in the season over in the Community Shield and once then at the Emirates. And, uh, and twice uh, Arsenal have come out victorious. Has that not been food for thought for City fans? Have they not had something in their mind thinking, okay, well, something's changed here? No, no. In terms of like community shield, the fact is, is 
okay, it's a community show, but they, they, it was just the manner that they beat us. It was not like, oh, they beat us. Come, they, they got a lucky deflection which led to a one-one, then led to a penalty. Without that deflected goal in community shield, there's no way it's going. It was the last shot to the game, and it's completely a deflected goal, and and then it was an equalizer. But then it led to penalties being taken, and we could have finished the game earlier on. We had four in, but no matter what, I looked at it. I said, okay, fair enough. We've got major fish to fry. You know, we we want to win the big cups, yeah. And then comes into the game where I saw. I said to Arsenal fans, I said, I want to see. We are lacking players now. We got players who Rodri's injured. We've lost our main gunman, the KDB. The John Stones was halfly fit. He was not fully fit. And I said, okay, I'm gonna see Rico Lewis in midfield. Yeah. When I saw the way they won that game, it didn't convince me. It didn't convince me. It was unconvincing to a team that's weak, that have made changes, that had lost their generals, the KDB, the Rodri. There's no way Arsenal would have beaten us with KDB and Rodri. No chance. I, t- I take it. I take. I take your point on that. But what I'm, what I want to mm. get at here is that Arsenal seemed to have a mental block when it came up against any version of City. And of course, you can't disregard like the big injuries that Man City had, but. Is the manner of the victory irrelevant when they've come away with the victory? Have they overcome a mental block? There's no doubt about it. Because we're playing them at the most crucial time. This is when it counts. We will beat them. Because they fear us. In the Etihad, around March, April, it will be rocking. It will be rocking around that. That's the time we need to beat them. There's no doubt about it. We will win when it's needed to win. And I know the reason why we win it, and we win it comfortably. We'll not win it by 2-1 or 1-0. We'll win it by 3-1 or 4-2. Easy. We will beat them. If I'm KDB and Rod, we will beat them. Because we've seen Arsenal come into away grounds and they look shaky. And I'm already seeing them shaky now. I think of the biggest stadium where we have rattled Real Madrid. Rattled by Munich. Yeah, Arsenal, we, can, we will beat Arsenal comfortably. And I promise you'll see that. I mean, this guy's talking about looking shaky away. After what I've said about 10 minutes ago, it is what it is, man. Cool. We're looking so shaky that no one's even playing through us and bagging goals like that. No problem. It's cool. I guess I, I don't really care who fears me. You know what I mean? I'll just go get my three points, my three points, my three points. It's all good. If we lose that game, okay, no problem. There are, what, 24 other games left to play. So don't slip. It's cool. Well, we shall see. I guess that brings us on to a one-word answer from you guys. Who are the favourites this season for the title? I'll just take one word from each of you and we'll move on. See. My C. Okay. All right. Amenya with a wry smile there, remaining coy, and Hamza remaining ever confident. Um, I wanted to touch on Liverpool versus Man City. Of course, for many years now, that has almost kind of replaced the El Clasico. Uh, when you when you kind of look at the the top level of football, when you're looking at superstars all over the pitch, when you're talking about two elite teams pushing each other to the absolute limit, it's uh it's been it's been a game that you just can't miss. And uh, it although this last game here was a, a flat version, it had two big moments. It had Erling Haaland coming through after some 
great gymnastics from Nathan Ake. And then it had Trent Alexander's predator moment as he drilled the equaliser in and shushed the fans, of course. So in light of that shush, um, there's, there's talk about him potentially being disciplined for breaching Premier League rules. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. And many, I'll bring you in first. Are we, are we ruining prime Barclays by policing celebrations? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Is too much? Uh, let me give you my opinion. Trent should be banned for doing that. Let me tell you why. <laughs> shushing at 1-1. Are you all right? You're shushing at 1-1. Impossible. Impossible. Olise, join that ban list as well. You shushed at 1-1 away at Luton to go and lose. Off you go. I can't accept shushing at 1-1. Wait, listen, listen. Ali- wait, wait, listen. Alise scored a banger though. That, I mean... That- uh, away Luton to, to make it 1-1. I'm not shushing nobody at 1-1. Are you crazy? At Kenilworth Road, I should shush at 1-1. Never, ever, ever, ever. He did it against Millwall. I hear that. I hear that. That's cold. Don't ever shush at 1-1. I don't want to see no... Pick the ball up and go back. You're talking about like, oh, monster mentality or whatever. Pick the ball up and go back. Oh, oh, okay, celebrate. You've scored against City. I said, I get it. What are you shushing guys for at 1-1? What? They weren't, there wasn't even anyone to shush. Nobody was even speaking. The atmosphere was dead. All I heard was the Everton helicopter like above, above the stadium in the Etihad. So there was nothing to even shush. So celebrate your goal. Give it like a little like, yeah, c- come on. Like, yes, let's go. No shushing. Yes, he should be banned. I agree. I, I think, listen, he's a, it's a big game. And he's allowed to do whatever. You can't just do that. silly. I even we know that for a fact. Yeah, he, he should be allowed to celebrate. He can do a knee slide in front of everyone. He can shush. He, he, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. Is this the shamelessness, obviously? That he shush for one one bro. I'm thinking, <laughs> why are you shushing for one one bro? Have some shame because he was so, because the reason why he shushed people at one one bro, he was getting cooked by Doku so bad that people were after him. As soon as the final whistle was gonna go, I had an agenda on him already. I'd already written a list of how many times Doku had passed him when he shushed me. I just threw it on the floor. I was like, oh, I can't go on this guy. What am I going to say? And then on top of that, he gets man of the match. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hamza said, Hamza said, when he shushed me. <laughs> he keeps on doing this. Me. Have you not noticed? He, he talks like he's playing. You didn't hear him say, he was like, oh, because I, had so I, 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 I had a bad I, result this weekend. You didn't play, bro. <laughs> Because, you know what, I do a watch-along. So I did it, and I couldn't believe you should see my reaction. I was so angry. I said, I can't believe it. Oh, my God. The guy I was slandering the whole 
time on this watch alone. I can't believe it. I just went on. I couldn't believe he's the guy I wanted to slander after the game. But, you know, I was humbled. I was humbled. He's a great player attacking-wise. He's fantastic attacking-wise. Like, he's so talented. Like, he's so talented. Like, for him to score against me, he knows we were coming for him. He was the guy that... He was Mr. Liverpool. We wanted to come for Mr. Liverpool, and that's strength. And I want to... So, I want to touch on the fact that you were saying that before his goal, he was getting cooked by Doku. Um... Some might suggest that Alexander Arnold was just letting Doku go through the emotion, uh, go through the motions, letting him do his cuttings, but had him at bay and had him under control. I'm so happy that I can take over Rambo's thing and stop him from spreading whatever nonsense he was spreading before. Because let me tell you the truth: just because there was no goal or assist doesn't mean that Trent didn't get cooked. That whole first half, he was spinning like a kebab. Let's be serious. We're inside. Outside, he got past him. He was whipping it across. Left foot cutbacks or cutting inside and doing the little right foot thing. Okay, Matip cleared it. Van Dijk cleared it. Alvarez was smashing the ball over the stadium. If I go past you 30 times and cut it back and nobody scores, that doesn't mean that you now locked me up. Oh, it was part of the plan all along. Yeah, oh, 0.24 expected assist. Bro, I watched with my eyes. I saw how many times Doku went past Trent. In my eyes, it was a good battle. Trent stopped him a few times. Doku got past him. I'll say more than he had been stopped. I'm not saying Trent should padlock him every single time. Obviously not. It's Doku, one of the best wingers in the league. But let's not act like Trent will have put in some sort of masterclass performance that whole game. No. Good on the ball, off the ball, shaky. My man in the match personally, but not a silver. From what I saw with my eyes in that game. But alas, hey, Trent, he got the last laugh, I suppose, by Shushin at 1-1. So congrats to him, but it's not going to change what my eyes saw. And he was cooking. He, was, he cooked Trent. He was cutting him. And every time he got the ball, how many men were on him? Mo Salah had to drop back. McAllister was on him. And Trent was on him. Three players. Even even Shobosly at times as and, well. And you know what? I even told Liverpool players. I said, that's one of the reasons why Mo Salah wasn't attacking. Because Mo Salah had to do defensive skills. Like, he had to go and help him out. Because he knew. He said, Trent, I don't trust you. This kid might cook you. When he saw Trent... Pass it. When he passed Trent first or second time, every time he got the ball, Salah was running. He was like, yeah, I'm coming to help you. And I think he's been sensational. For a young kid who's 20 or 21 years old, he looks he's going to get better. We just need to take our chances with him. He's brilliant. Although I wanted Grealish to play, he proved it to me that yeah, he's very mature to play in this kind of games. But moving on to other players that are possibly in the form of their life, I want to bring up the result Spurs versus Villa. Spurs were Spurs were tipped at the start of the season when, when the season began and Ange Ball was in full flow and we were coming off the back of a North London derby. It felt like Ange and Spurs could do very little wrong, but how much changes in football in a couple of weeks? Um, and Villa, who were the kind of European dark horses, uh, put them to the sword, Oli Watkins on fire. Um, I want to put it to you guys. Are Villa and Spurs competing for the same European spot? Are they direct rivals for one of those top four spots? I think, listen, Tottenham, I think they've, they've been very... I rate Ange Postotoglu because they lost the best player, Harry Kane, and didn't get replacement. With their undervalued squad, everyone thought that Spurs would be struggling, and they came down here, and they beat top team. They beat Liverpool, they've beaten United... They should have been in Chelsea. If they, were, if they were 11 men, they would have definitely been in Chelsea. 
and they went to Arsenal's home ground and they got they they should have won that game. They were comfortable. They were comfortable and they were very, very comfortable in that game. And normally Arsenal beat them. And Arsenal have fans were like downplaying them. But unfortunately, injuries have ruined them. It's so sad. Like, like they've had suspension from Romero, they've had suspension from now Bentacle's injured. They've had injury from uh, uh, the Van der Ven, who's been injured. They've had, I think they've got like six, seven injuries. Charlison's out. And they've got a small squad. Look at their bench. I feel sorry for them. And no, it's so difficult with any managers. When other teams have one single injury, they complain. Let's say, for example, if when Liverpool had Van Dijk out, title done, finished, finito, reset. Yeah, Arsenal, Saliba done, one player, finito. They've got Romero and Van de Ven, and then they have to deal with the midfield. And not only that, they don't have a striker, finisher like Harry Kane. So I think Angie's doing a fantastic job. Aston Villa lucky that they've got a bigger squad, and they're rotating their squad. But Aston, Aston, but Aston, Villa's, Aston Villa's injury woes are extensive as well. Tyro Mings is out, of course. Uh, Douglas, um, Douglas Costa is out. Um, who's the, the younger midfielder? Jacob Ramsey's out. Um, Who's the creative number 10? Buendia is out. So there, there's some big names missing from Villa. They've got a bigger squad. They've got, the thing is, they've got a way bigger squad and they've got more better names in terms of their squad than, than thing. These guys have got Madison. Madison was a set player. He's out already. So there's no creative. And when they're creating, they're not finishing their chances. And, and to lose against Aston Villa at home, there's no way... Tottenham loses to Aston Villa if they have a full team with Ange. And obviously that Spurs with three losses in a row. Villa, on the other hand, four wins in five. Amenya, Oli Watkins seems to be in the form of his life. Is he chosen uh, with with a tournament coming up in the summer? Is he catching fire just at the right time? Oli Watkins is the one striker that no matter how many goals he scores, I'm not moved. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not hearing it. No, I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing it under any... Because I watch the games. I watch. I, I see... He had a disaster class up until that goal. Let's let's get it right. He was fumbling over the boys, playing like Bambi on ice, as they say. He was fumbling around. He was offside, missing chances. I don't rate him. I don't rate him as high as everyone else's. Should he be playing for England? No chance. If Harry Kane is not there, bring Ivan Tony if he's back from Penn by this time. Bring Ivan Tony. Bring Callum Wilson. Oli Watkins is like fifth or sixth on that list of strikers that I would take for England. So no, I'm not. I'm not hearing it. In regards to Spurs, listen, injuries. I just get on with it, Mike. That's what that's what Ange told us, right? We should we just get on with it, Mike. Everyone's got injuries. Like, you can't be using like Romero and Udogi and stuff, bro. They got suspended. That's their own fault. I'm, I didn't ask them to go and put in reckless tackles every game. So hold that. Like we have injuries too. Like we have plenty of players that have been out for big chunks of the season. It is what it is. If you can't deal with it. Not my problem. We'll see if the Wolves fall off. I hope they do. Obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan. I hope they fall off. Aston Villa, likewise. I, I like a lot of their players, but yeah, the Oli Watkins thing, biggest purple patch merchant going, in my opinion. There we go. I'll take Oli Watkins, I see. 100%. If I had another striker oh, that we need, I'll it's, take Oli It's a Oli good Watkins. thing he's not the one that's in charge of my city, right? You can't no, but, but I'll tell you why. Come I'll on. give you an example. And I said, this is going to be controversial. I said it before. And this is going to be very controversial. England need to play in their biggest game, I know this is so painful and hard. Harry Kane has not delivered in the biggest game. Biggest games. And I'll tell you why. Because Spain had the same issue that they kept playing Raul Gonzalez Blanco as a main man. Football is a team sport. 
Sometimes you have to drop that ego, number nine. And he, I think, he's more of a team player than Harry, Harry Kane. If England keep playing Harry Kane, no trophy is coming back. Yeah. Oh, I they say, I don't, I don't, these are the opinions of Hamza, not my own. No, not I, exactly. Raul. <laughs> Raul was dropped. Spain were complaining the same thing. You can't drop Raul on Morientes. They're, they're Spain main guys and all the Aragonas were being cr cr crucified for that. There's videos. He was crucified every single interview. He refused even to answer questions on that because Spain were cruci... How can you drop Raul? He was, he was okay, like... So remind, remind me who replaced, who replaced Raul? Young Fernando Torres. Okay, so that's Combat already a massive difference. Yeah, Torres and David Villa. Was... They were young. They were young kids. But he said and still far superior to Oli Watkins. And let's not also forget the fact that they had probably you know, two generational all-timer midfielders in there, a whole backline as well. We can't compare to them Raul. Oh come on, man. listen! I'm not even like a Harry Kane super fan. I don't care if he play. I don't even support England even. I'll back Ghana. But to say that they should drop Harry Kane for it's what happened last year when they were screaming, oh, not last year, two years ago rather. Oh, drop Harry Kane, bring in DCL. Dominic no, no, Calvert Lewin, no, 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 they were no, no, screaming no. to bring him. Like, come on, man. I've never but read Listen, Amenia, you don't think seven goals and five assists, so 12 goals and assists in 13 games. Listen, the tapes are here to be saved anyway. Come back to me one year, two years, whenever. Because I had to deal with guys telling me this guy was better than Tony time ago. They were, they were gassing up guys like Tammy Abraham. Like, I just hear so many strikers get gassed up because they have a, a good bit of form. No, I hear that. Gassed. I hear that. The gas the gas that I heard around Tammy... The gas that I heard around Tammy Abraham was unacceptable. Like, people were, people were like, they should bring him back into the England squad. And I was like, listen, if he's doing well at Roma, just let him do well at Roma. And then if he does four years doing a mad thing, then we can talk about it. But I think Ollie Watkins has got something about him. And I am actually... I am, I am actually of the belief that I would rather have him at Arsenal than Ivan Tony in January, but that is um, that's just me. That is just me. I mean, speaking of Villa as well, um, we're probably thinking of one of the main reasons that Ollie Watkins is being discussed in conversations like this, and that is Mr. Good Evening himself, Unai Emery. Some people are suggesting that Unai Emery is only second to the likes of Pep and Klopp in the league in terms of quality as a manager and in the improvement on a team. What would you say to that? Is Unai Emery the third best manager in the Premier League? Ah, it's a hard one to say. I think, I think you're gonna be underplaying Ateta. He's he's a great coach. <laughs> I think Unai as well is a, is a fantastic coach. Uh, I think Ateta because he's there for a reason. You have to give him the credit. He's there. He's challenged City for a reason. I have to give him the credit. Unai Emery is an incredible manager. He's he's brilliant. He's brilliant. I think. The thing is, when he came at Arsenal, there's a lot of difficulties like in terms of communication with players and English not being his first language. And that can have an impact because we saw that with Ranieri back at Chelsea when he started at Chelsea. It was very difficult. And Scolari at Chelsea, these are guys who are incredible managers, what they've done. But communication is key with your players. Like, I think he's an incredible uh, manager. What he's done to Aston Villa, they become more of a threat. I have to play now Tottenham. And then I have to play Villa after three, four days later. So I'm already scared looking at those fixtures already, thinking, okay, I might be Tottenham, but then Villa. My God, I got Villa away. Una Embers playing very good football. Man, he's not scared oh, of Arsenal, by the way. He's scared, scared of Tottenham yeah. and Aston Villa, but he's not. Not at the moment, at the moment. Uh, finally, wrapping up, uh, Menya, you touched on this. Um, you touched on this not too long ago, but um, 
I want to discuss some frauds. Hamza, I want to bring you in first. Who are some players that come to mind that have been getting away with it this season? We've been talking about them. We've been hyping them up. We've been we've been saying that they've been playing great, but quite simply, they've just been getting away with it and uh, un unjustifiably getting the praise. Hamza, talk to me. I think there's certain players from different clubs here. If you go, I think the, the, the before Brentford game, Havertz, fact, Havertz was the main guy that you'd hear. Anyone, anyone you speak to, a rival, any other football rival, they'll say. Havertz and Arsenal fans have also come for Havertz completely. Like they think he's one of the worst signings. Except this Brentford game, he he got rescued. Uh, Fabio Vieira for Arsenal. I, I'm talking about different teams. Chelsea have got a lot. Chelsea have a lot, like a lot of players. Like if you look at Chelsea, Enzo Fernandez, no goals. Okay, thank no you. Assist, except FC Wimbledon. FC Wimbledon, yeah, being at home. That like, like we have to question people. Like I'm I'm going to be critical on players like. That they, I'm sorry to say this. I know this is gonna be very. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Keep yeah? going. This is gonna be very controversial, and I'm gonna say this is gonna hurt a lot of Chelsea fans. Reese James, he has to be available for many games because last season he was he missed 25 games. The season before that was 20 games. This season's already 11 games. He has to be available as a captain. Chelsea need him. Chelsea is that big club that they expect him to be there. So, and all these other players, Chelsea players like Mudrik, uh, uh, Caicedo has to show more. We're talking about how can Copama be your best player? How can Copama, a youth Man City uh, guy, come into Chelsea to be their main guy? So, we've got many players there, but Man United have got loads. Anthony's on fraud watch, big, big time. Mason Mount. <laughs> Anthony is on forward because he hasn't done anything. Mason Mount is on forward. Amrabat is another one. Man United fans told us he's going to be the next big thing. He's going to fit in the puzzle. Now we're hearing, we're hearing this young kid is benching him. This young kid that we don't know about. This young kid from Man United. Now they're hyping up. And then we look at Hoyland. He has not scored any single goal. I know he's scored in the Champions League, but he hasn't scored in nine games in the Premier League. So we look at. I think Premier that League. is the one. I think Hoyland is the one that has been getting away with it. People are like, oh, he looks good in. Oh, he's got a bit about him, but no Premier League goals. Amenia, talk to me. I, I was worried that Hamza didn't really understand the question when he started listing like Havertz and Fabio Vieira because who who's guessing these men? Then he said Enzo. I said, okay, Hamza, you're back with us because Enzo, the most protective player maybe in Premier League history. You can never, ever criticise him. It's always everyone else's fault. He has a 13% percentage. Oh, his left-back's fault. Oh, his right-back's fault. Oh, he needs four midfielders to help. 100 million. Why do you need three players around you to hold your hand to dictate tempo against nine men? Against 10 men, West Ham, Ward, Prowse and Suchek. You're the most creative dictator, wonderful tempo controller. Zero goal, zero assist. What do you offer? You run around and you spike your hair up. That's nothing that I haven't seen from, I don't know, Lucas Torreira when he came to the Premier League. What am I seeing from this Enzo guy? So I'm not, I, I hear what I've wanted to say as well, but I think Enzo, I want to highlight Enzo as the main one. This guy, 100 million, by the way. 10 million. 100 million. No, man. No responsibility taken on this on his shoulders. Impossible. Can't back him. Well, listen, we'll keep you guys updated with Hamza and his fraud watch. Uh, fraud watch, should I say. Um, that 
wraps up another episode of the No Ratings podcast. Thank you so much to our guests, Amenya and Hamza, for giving us their insight on what was a super eventful week in the Premier League, of course. I just want to wrap up the episode by paying tribute to a passing of another great legend of English football, Mr. Terry Venables. That's it for another ratings, uh, No Ratings podcast episode. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. And of course, drop us a message on Spotify to let us know what topics you want discussed. Um, follow us on social media, interact with us. Of course, you can follow the boys on all their socials as well. And you can catch plenty more creators, plenty more action on another episode very soon. Until then, we'll see you soon. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.